0: Thanks for checking out the Candeo Podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com All right. Well, like Jordan said, my my challenge this morning was to speak on marriage and from the book of Proverbs. And really the assignment was: hey, talk from the Proverbs about how to enjoy marriage. And then even more specifically, there was a quote from an email coming back and forth from the elder team. I'd like him to really unpack what it means to take pleasure in the wife of your youth. I'm like, all right. Now, the, there's an irony in this. The irony in this, and, and if I could just be vulnerable with you this morning and, 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 and be honest, which is really, you know of no other way right here at Candeo Church, um, I'll, I'll tell you this. I thought when Jenny and I first married 25 years ago, I thought for sure our first year of marriage was the hardest year of marriage we would ever experience. Turns out I was wrong. It was last year. Hands down, our hardest year. And so to be asked to come here to do a wedding and then to speak on marriage after the hardest year we've had is the sovereignty of God lining things up Because though we were in a very challenging place, God has shown us things that have really turned that around. See, Jenny struggles with depression and I struggle with loving people. And depression, I don't mean like, oh, it's kind of a bummer day, it's cloudy, I'll put some sweats on and watch TV. No, I mean like you are doing as much as you can to eat right, to be healthy, to, to be a part of ministry, and then that, that cloud comes rolling into your soul. The, the kind of depression, you need a doctor, like chemical balances are just off and, and you need help. And in the midst of that horrible darkness, here we are trying to plant the church, we are meeting outside, honestly, five months we met outside during one of the toughest like, hurricane seasons in history. I mean, the bugs, the traffic, the noise, literally, physically, I mean, just all around you, COVID, all this stuff, the pressures of it all. And in the midst of that, with depression, I was just struggling to love. And not just struggling, oh, that's mild. Here's the deal, I didn't have compassion. The thing that frustrated me most was that I didn't know how to stir up Heartfelt compassion towards a person I knew I should be compassionate towards. And Jenny is like many of you women, like freakishly intuitive. And she knew that even though I was doing the right things, I was trying to serve and trying to help out, whatever, she knew your heart's not in it. You don't care. And truth be told, I didn't. And I actually hated it that I didn't care. And that I was more consumed with what I'm not getting out of this marriage than what I am that was me last year that was us even in the midst of all that uh Jenny's like yeah we why don't we get a dog and I'm like we are not getting a dog until we like each other again we it's not going to help to get a dog so that we like the dog more no we need to work on us well how did the proverbs speak to that Some are married, and some of you just need to be open and honest this morning and need to hear these truths and talk about them. Some aren't. And I'm telling you, tough times come. They just do. How do the Proverbs speak to marriages that are struggling at times? And then what is a vision of marriage and what is a motivation that even transcends the Proverbs on why to fight for your marriage? That's what I want to talk about this morning. One of the things I want you to know, and I talked to some farmers, you know, Heath and Nick, my local Iowa guys, what makes corn grow so good? What are the ingredients? And they throw out their stuff, and I, you know, it's like genetics, and you gotta have good watering, and you need to have the right right kind of soil and the right, you know. There are some ingredients to make corn healthy. I think there's some truths in Proverbs to make marriages strong and healthy. And I want to look at just a few of them, just a few verses that have been helpful to us, and then give you the why that motivated us to really see God bring change. Number one, good marriages that I know of are full of forgiveness. They're full of forgiveness. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 4:19, it says, we love because he first loved us. In fact, all of our love towards others is a reflection of first having experienced God's love. In fact, I would say to you that you can never love a person You can never truly love a person until you have first experienced the full-throttled, deep grace and love of God. Because all your love to others is going to be a reflection, an echo, at best, of that love. But not only is love like that, having first needed to experience it in God to show it, forgiveness is like that. In fact, Ephesians 4.32 says that God calls us to be forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. What a verse. God calls us to forgive others. Oh, how much? Of just as God forgave you in Christ. Just stop for a second. Consider the forgiveness of Christ towards us. Unlimited? Fully accessible? And it was a choice, not an emotion. And when we understand that forgiveness, then we can fully forgive, it be fully accessible, and we can choose to forgive. My word, if you still think that forgiveness is a feeling, if you're still holding out on feeling like forgiving because he looked at porn again, you'll wait until you die. You need to choose to forgive. That's what God did with you. He dropped all charges. Forgiveness is a choice, and I see that healthy marriages are full of forgiveness. They're full of forgiveness. Proverbs ten twelve speaks in that direction when it says this, hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses hatred stirs up conflicts but love is totally different it covers all offenses let me ask you this do you stir up conflict in relationships some of you aren't married you're like ah, not me no do you stir up conflict are you the kind of person that picks fights you just know how to push his or her buttons you think it's fun to argue you feel like you're good at it like it's a spiritual gift when confronted, are you the kind of person that goes, oh, oh, oh yeah, well, me? Hey, how about we talk about you It always bouncing it back? The Bible then just say that's a dumb idea. The Bible says, I call that hatred. It's a person who hates someone who stirs up conflicts, you just know how to keep them going, throw fuel in fires. No, love is different than that. Look at what the, the, that proverb says. Proverbs, uh, that verse 12 says this, love actually covers all offenses. And it doesn't cover offenses like I'm trying to hide something. I'm trying to cover something up. No, no, no. It doesn't cover offenses so as to hide offenses. That would never be helpful. It covers like throwing a wet blanket over fire, it puts them out. Love covers all offenses. Do you cover offenses? Another way of saying that is, are you a forgiving person when you're offended? You know, when I was a young Christian in college, uh, I went on a retreat, and this guy who experienced tremendous brokenness and abuse, uh, he taught me eight words that had been the most helpful eight words that I know at keeping relational unity, marriage, kids, everything. And it was these eight words that I learned from him. Learn to say, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? In fact, I would encourage you, Candeo, stop saying sorry. In fact, never say sorry to anyone. Sorry is pretty cheap, honestly, the way we can pull it off, right? Sorry, okay? Sorry, is that what you needed to hear? Or sorry often has the excuse clause with it. You know what I'm talking about? Sorry, I did that. I never would have if you hadn't first said that. Ooh, see what I did there? I mean, didn't own up for anything. In fact, I showed you why my sin was actually not my sin at all. It's all your fault. Sorry's cheap. I was wrong. Owns it. Will you please forgive me? Puts the ball in their court. They have a choice to make. That heals relationships. So I started that right in marriage. I thought, I got plenty of opportunities to ask forgiveness. I'm blowing it all the time. First year of marriage, I might have said that more than Jenny's name. I was wrong. I know I keep saying it. Will you please forgive me? You know, I just assumed since Jenny grew up in a tremendously godly Christian home, that she must have known the magic words. Turns out she didn't know how to say them. I was saying, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? And she'd go, yes. And I'm like, and? Because yeah, I knew it wasn't all my fault, right? I was kind of waiting for, hey, maybe that was good leadership, right? Then why don't you, mm <laughs> It's just like silent, like, I don't even know what you just said. I'm like, man, I made a bad assumption here. And, and in time, it grew like a baby step. Sorry, okay? Yeah, I mean, it was better than nothing, I guess. It was about a year into marriage that Jenny first got that whole phrase out of her mouth. But then I learned something sad. Her dad, who is perhaps the most godly people I've ever met. He actually never said he was wrong and never asked for forgiveness in their home. I thought, oh, I see where that comes from. Some of you, you can't ever remember hearing your mom or dad Say, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? You don't have any memories of your parents getting down at your level as a little kid and going, Daddy was wrong for that tone of voice he used when he corrected you. That was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And then as a little kid, yes. You know, and then the big hug. Like, you don't, you don't have any memories of that. Because you don't wait to marriage to start that. You start with Toddlers. And you create a culture of forgiveness where you choose to drop charges again and again. Because if you hold on to bitterness, bitterness kills the one who holds it. And some of you are being eaten alive because you won't do what Jesus did. You forgive one another just as God and Christ forgave you. You don't stir up offenses, you cover over them. Forgiveness is powerful. Are you asking forgiveness? And let me just ask men for a moment. Are you modeling that in your home? Oh, I'm not married. Are you modeling that? When's the last time you said those eight words? Oh, well, I mean, I, I guess I don't. It's not because you're sinless. Let's get over our pride. Start bringing healing to relationships. Yeah, good marriages, I think, are full of forgiveness, but they're also full of meaningful questions. Here's what I mean. The Proverbs 18, two says something interesting. It says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Okay, what's a fool like? He finds no pleasure in understanding anyone else. This is what he's like. He loves to talk tell you what he thinks. Talk, 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 talk. It's all about talking. Talk, talk, talk. Oh, I'm just an extrovert. No, you're not. You're a fool. You know, all you do is talk. You don't want to hear other people talk. Uh, Recently, my daughter Ellie, uh, this was in the last maybe about year or whatever, she told me about a person, a friend of hers who called and talked to her for 45 minutes straight and never asked one question. Not once. Well, I knew this person as well. So I actually not too long ago was hanging out with this person. I said, hey. And actually, I started talking after they had been talking to me for two hours straight. I waited out two hours, and then I said, hey, I know you love people. In fact, I know you not only love people, but would want to know how to love them even more. Here's a suggestion I have for you. And I shared the story about talking Ellie's ear off, although I said it kinder than that. And then I said, why don't you ask other people questions because they have a story worth telling. Why don't you learn to draw people out with questions? And this person listened very attentively while I talked. And when I was done, continued to talk my ear off the rest of the day. And honestly, for the last several months, I don't think they've asked one question of me. That's a lot like me. I like hearing myself talk. I ah, ah, I can hear, ah, there there, I am. There is something about, and I'm just so full of myself at times that I don't draw people out. The Proverbs push me a different direction. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but look, delights in airing his own opinions. A fool wants to talk, a foolish spouse wants to just talk your head off. You go, oh my word, will you just stop? Do you care what's going on in me? Do you even want to come down into this valley called depression? I have learned that constant talking does not help a person in depression. Asking meaningful questions does. You know, Proverbs 20 verse 5 says this, the purposes of a man's heart or a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. Get this, think of like a well. The purposes of a person's heart are are deep waters. Think of a deep well. The, The heart, it goes deep. Why we do what we do. The very center of our decision making, that heart, it's like deep waters. But look at this. A person who has understanding draws them out. You know, I'll, I'll reference this a little towards the end, but Jenny and I met with a couple who have been dear friends for life, Kevin and Mary Shiby. And one of the things they said is we totally opened up about our marriage and our struggles. They said, what you guys ought to do is start regularly, like find a time every week, sit on a couch for an hour and just talk to each other. No phones, no TV, no, no distractions. Just start building like warm friendship. Because something about like kids out of the house and whatever and a life full of activity. And it was like, we weren't great friends. And depression, you throw it all in. And so we started doing that. Honestly, it was pretty awkward at first. Not going to lie. We sat there and Jen's like, I, I know you're just doing this because we were told. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I am. I am here though, you know, it's just awkward, you know putting one foot in front of the other. It's like, oh, my word, give me a break. You know, it's like, but in the midst of it, Jane told me the other day, I confirmed with her, I started just asking some questions. What's it like being sometimes scared of being in a room full of people? How are you doing today? Is it different than yesterday? Just starting to draw out. Questions are like a bucket that you toss deep into the well of someone's heart. And questions are like a bucket. As you draw it up, you are literally drawing that person out. And you're beginning to build true friendship and relationship. I think good marriages are full of deep communication, carving out time, and a lot of questions. And then the last thing I want to say before I give you the motive of what really turned the corner for us is this. That not only is it constant forgiveness and lots of questions, it is complete transparency with Godly friends. Complete transparency with godly friends. This verse won't be up on the screen, but if you're taking notes, I would write it down. Proverbs 28:13 talks about the first part of that transparency. Listen to Proverbs 28:13: "He who conceals his transgression will not prosper but the one who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Here's a double-edged promise from God from Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen. If you want to conceal your transgression, you want to hide what's going on, it's fine. Do it, keep doing it. I promise you this, you will not prosper. Your marriage won't prosper, your family won't prosper. You want to hide things, you want to keep it hidden, you want to keep showing up to this church. How you doing? Fine, always fine. And you, fine, we're all fine, we're always fine. You want to keep hiding, fine. You won't prosper. But then God promises if, if you will confess it and forsake it, confesses to agree with God. I agree, God, it's wrong. And forsaking it is I am turning the other direction. If you will be someone who confesses and forsakes your sin, opens up, shares it, calls it what it is, and forsakes it, the Bible says you will find compassion. Don't hide. Open it up. But here's what I found. It didn't seem enough just to open up with Jenny. Because we we've always been super open with each other. Just, this is what's going on. It's like we needed help from beyond ourselves. And the interesting thing about what I'm about to say is that I don't know that the couple that we spent time with had the silver bullet answer. Oh, you know what? They just had some zinger. i never heard that verse before. Changed everything. I wonder if God wanted us to get to a place where we would be humble enough just to be brutally open and honest with others to where God's like, now I'm ready. If you hide your sin you won't prosper. You confess and forsake it, there's compassion. But look, it's not only that we need to be transparent, completely transparent. I said complete transparency with godly friends. Look at this, Proverbs 13 20. This will be on the screen. Proverbs thirteen twenty says something you already know. He who walks with wise men will become wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Let's just leave that out there for a second. If you walk with wise people, guess what? You're going to get wise. But if you run with a crowd of fools, you're going to be a fool yourself. I've heard it said that you are the average of your five closest friends. Who are they? You're just like them. Your kid never fell into the wrong crowd. Are you kidding me? Do you still believe that? Your kid is the wrong crowd. If you walk with wise people, you will be wise. If you spend time just as a companion of fools, you will become a fool. And I think it's true of marriages too. Here's what I mean. Let me just say, we intuitively know this. Like back in our college days, in my college days, like everyone knows, no one goes to class, think high school, think junior high, I don't care what grade you're in. Like no one goes to class and goes, hey, real quick, who's the dumbest one in the whole class? Can you raise your hand? And then you find that person, can I study with you? no one does that no one finds the dumbest person and says can we study together no you find the smartest person in the class you try and get your courage up and go can you help can you help me i'm dying you know and then you cling to that person you walk with wise people you'll be wise you'll get better they pull you up you hang out with fools you'll become one and here's what i want to say from proverbs Hiding your sin, you won't prosper. Confessing it, there's compassion. But guess what? Going there with godly friends is the final answer. Are you opening up your marriage to others? Or that's your biggest secret. Well, we don't talk about that in Connection Group, but I did bring some brownies. Who cares about your brownies? Open up your life. Why do you look like you're just about to cry all the time? Can we just be honest? I love that this church is full of people with openness and transparency. I, I love seeing Brad and Kelly, seeing Larry and Jody, seeing people who, Seth and Kim, like you can just open your life up to them. You can go there. It's okay to be broken here. We'll take you just as you are, but we won't leave you where you are. We'll help you find healing. Compassion and strength in Christ. Are you being open and honest about your struggles with your connection group with others? That's where God wants to help you. Or are you just too proud, keeping all your conflict to yourself? Oh, how awful. You don't need to be in that place. Well, I told you that having godly friends is a lifeline, and it was for us. About a year ago, Jenny and I went on vacation with Kevin and Mary Shiby, just lifelong friends. And we sat in the hills of North Carolina, never vacation there, but now I live in Florida, so that's close. We sat in the hills of North Carolina in a cabin, and we just shared super openly and honestly. And we just said, you know what? I don't have any feelings. Uh, and Jen's like, well, ain't that the truth. Yeah, I mean, just whatever. We, we were just candid with them just, hey, it's not a lot of emotions. We're trying to do the right things. I don't have compassion. I wish I did. How do I stir that up? Jenny goes, I I mean, she knew it or whatever. We're just trying to plow through a hard season of marriage. And and the same was true in Jenny's heart. We were in the same place. And we're just, okay, the health of our The health of our marriage, it's got to be more than kids. It's got to be more than my job. I mean, my word, I'm a pastor. I'm trying to plant a church. I can't go on because I'll be open and honest, but you can't just say, we're always doing bad. You know, like, God, help us turn the corner here. And somewhere in the midst of just coming to an end of ourselves, God broke through. And Jenny, as we've talked about this, she goes, Paul, it just came to this point. Why? Why work hard on marriage? Why work hard on marriage when you don't feel in love? I mean, this is when some people go, I don't feel, I deserve to feel in love. I feel feelings towards that person. You know, this is when people start to wonder. She goes, why? Why is it worth the fight, the struggle to stay in it until there's breakthrough? And Jenny was saying, Paul, it's because God centered us back on Christ in the church. Here's the big why. Supposed to start with a why, I'm ending with the why. Why put the hard work in? Why be about that? Why humble yourself? Why go there? Because your marriage is not about you at all. The most profound thing I can say about marriage, it's, it's not about a husband and a wife at all. Has anyone told you that your marriage was designed by God to be a reflection of a greater reality? Christ and the church. Oh, wives, submit to your husbands. Follow their leadership. Honor their leadership. As the church submits to Christ, oh, husbands, love your wives. How? Just like Christ loved the church. Husbands and wives, your marriage isn't about you. It is about him. And when you get that straight and repent of just yourself, I think God can begin to break through. And it was in that place that God began to break through, that my heart began to break. And I wanted to be the one to hold Jenny's hand in that dark valley. And when she came walking out of it, to be walking out of it hand in hand with her. I wanted to know. I wanted to learn. We started making some changes in our schedule. And guys, you need to make some hard changes. You need to come to a point where you go, it's more important than anything. The picture of the gospel in my marriage, it's more important than anything. We made some changes. Jenny's like, I'm just more alert, more awake in the daytime, not in the nighttime. Okay, I'll do some of my work at nighttime, and I'll be around on this day a little bit longer in the morning. We'll sit on that couch in silence for a while until we learn to talk again. And in time, that started kindling warmth in our marriage. Another thing, just Jenny with depression is like, I need to do exercise. So we set our goals, this is crazy because Jenny and I both do not like running. We set our goals, let's do a half marathon together. That's nuts. And you know what, it was hard. It's hard doing it and it's hard jogging with someone who jogs a lot slower than you too. And at first we just argued while we jogged. And then we got so much time, I guess we'll start liking each other. And then our jogs became a time where there was warmth and there was relationship. Here's what's crazy. For I don't know how many months we jogged together. And then on our 25th wedding anniversary, I got a picture of it. It's like we completed that half an This is us like going on out for a date. Well, I should could have gotten these in reverse order. That next picture, like we just finished it right there. Like that's not a backpack. That's like water, because we were gonna die. You know, like just, we finished that. In fact, we did one one weekend. We did one the next weekend. I couldn't believe it. We can't do it right now. Don't ask me to. But like we did and it grew our hearts together. For you, you're like a oh, half marathon. I'd rather die right now. Okay, so do gardening. Plant something together. Like figure it out. You figure it out on how to put your marriage and closeness, a restored picture I learned that physical intimacy wasn't the greatest picture and the final picture of relational intimacy. I used to think that. Actually, anyone can be physically intimate. Warmth and friendship, that you know is returning when you run into each other in the hallway and you find yourself kissing in front of the kids and you don't care. Like God began to warm our hearts, open our friendship again, and restore us. And guess what? We got the dog. In fact, I got a picture here of Benny, you know, like the, the little Vishla, who now really is stealing my wife's heart. And sometimes I do get mad, actually, at the dog. But no, his name is Benny, and I'm telling you, he's a blast. Candeo. the gospel is worth it. And if you're married, people ought to see the gospel in your marriage before they hear it from your lips. What do they make of the gospel that they see in your marriage? Are you in a hole? You stuck? We were. 25 years in, it was our hardest year. But God is gracious to us. He's kind. The Proverbs have something to say, and the gospel is worth it. And the Holy Spirit of God can empower you to go from your tears to a place of laughter. You will need the body of Christ. Oh, would you start talking openly with others? And God will help you and bring back days of old. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that marriage was supposed to be a picture of it. Please forgive me for ways in which I have made it all about me. I have bought culture's lie. I've been frustrated when I've not just had my needs met. God, would you please forgive that in me? Thank you, God, that you met us where we were at. Thank you for the hope that there is. I pray for the unmarried today that they would get a picture of marriage and see how hard it is, how challenging it is, and how beautiful it is. There was nothing easy about the gospel. There was nothing easy to come to earth, to be born into a cradle. There was nothing easy about having your beard ripped out and being spit at and having to choose to forgive even while you stayed naked on a cross. There was nothing easy about the gospel, and yet you chose You loved, you cared, and you give us an opportunity to follow in your footsteps. Jesus, help us. Help us to walk in the beauty of the irony of the gospel and may it draw others to you. We pray in your name, amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.